What do you do when life hands you tragedy or trauma or hardship? What do you do when the hard things come, when the bad medical diagnosis happens or you experience the loss of a loved one? What do you do when you experience hurt and pain and sorrow and sadness? Do you wallow in it? Do you let it control you? Do you let it overtake your life? Or do you take that pain and hardship? Do you take that trauma and do you actually use it to make yourself better, to fuel yourself on, to inspire other people who walk through similar situations? My guest today did exactly that. She took pain and hardship and challenges and she's turned it into a thriving business inspiring others. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Nancy Salar the founder, creator, and host of Living Full Out, a company she started in 2008 to inspire others on how to overcome life disappointments and strive for their goals. Nancy's story is full of heartbreak and hardship, and yet she has one of the most positive and encouraging attitudes I've ever met in my life. I loved this conversation, and I know you will too. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Nancy. Nancy, I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. You are somebody who just in the, you know, few months since I first learned about you and, and have done my, you know, fair share of internet stalking, which is like okay to say that you do nowadays. <laughs> right. Uh, in that time, I'm just, I am just blown away by your story and all about you. And so I'm just so excited to have you today. So thank you for being here. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I know. So I want you to introduce yourself to our guests. So or to our listeners, I guess I should say, although listeners, you're kind of like my guests. It's like you're just hanging out here in in, in our digital audio living room or something. You know what I'm getting at. Uh, so I get it. <laughs> Nancy, I'm gonna have you give us the Nancy 101. So tell us your story and how you got to doing what you do for a living. Sure. Thank you so much. So I think I'll just kind of take the audience back a bit to, you know, growing up around 10 years old, uh, experiencing my parents' divorce, which, you know, a handful of kids grew up with. And uh, there was also domestic violence in my family. Um, I had to watch my sisters uh, combat that stress with then developing eating disorders, uh, watching my mom go through breast cancer. And just so, so many things that were coming at me at such a young age. But then the topper was really at age 16 when my sisters and I, all three of us, were diagnosed with what's called retinitis pigmentosa RP, which is a degenerative eye condition. So even to this day, there's really no cure. And we were pretty much told in our teenage years that we would go blind by 40. Now, I am over 40 now, but I would say that over the years, it's really taken some measurable measurable jumps. It affects night blindness. So nighttime is super dark for me. Um, it affects color blindness. So I technically know that a stop sign is red, but it doesn't look red. Um, uh, it's depth perception loss. So nothing has edges or curbs. So there's the steps don't have an edge to them. 
And then really the saddest part is not being able to see people's faces or not being able to pick up a piece of paper and just read it because all of those details are gone. And when I was given that news, you know, you kind of have two routes that you can go. You can either hunker down and kind of surrender to this diagnosis, or you can rally and and say, okay, I'm going to go after life and and see what I can see while I can. And so that's kind of what I did. I kind of had this bucket list of things I wanted to do with my life, but I took all the things that required seeing and I really went after those first. So my sister and I, we traveled for three and a half months all through Europe, saw the Vatican, uh, ran with the bulls in Spain, did everything I could see there, traveled to Japan. And I also wanted to make sure I got my degrees. And I uh, went to the University of Oregon, got a degree in broadcasting and psychology. And the thing that's interesting about that is I had grown up like so many of us watching Oprah and I thought, gosh, if I could take the worlds of psychology and broadcasting and combine them together, I would love to do that. And so, you know, getting my degrees was important and then really going out there and trying to find my way in the world of broadcasting. And what I had to real, what I realized really over the years is that it wasn't about becoming another Oprah. It was about becoming a Nancy original. And that takes time to figure out. And so as I went along, I had successes in real, in um, broadcasting and really was mentored by really great professionals at Good Morning America, Entertainment Tonight, really saw how shows were put together, uh, worked behind the scenes on the Lisa Gibbons talk show. And it was really during those early stages that I started to see my vision take its first jumps. And it became really hard to see in dark studios or, you know, reading a teleprompter, the words would get twisted around. And so I had to do some soul searching then as to, gosh, do I keep going after this career that's so competitive? And I didn't know how to explain my visual changes And so I did decide at that point to make a career change. I'd always had a passion for singing. So I went into the music industry and I thought, okay, uh, singing does not require my eyes. And who knows, maybe I'll find my way back to broadcasting. So I went into singing and I uh, performed professionally, recorded an album, did all of that. But the sex, drugs and rock and roll that wasn't necessarily my scene. I realized that this girl from Oregon, it just wasn't the right vibe. I loved music, but I didn't see myself being on the road my entire life. And so I also noticed again that my vision was taking more jumps. I remember performing one time on stage and I literally almost fell off the stage. I just couldn't see the edge of it. I didn't know where it was. And um, so then I decided that I'd make another career change. I went into real estate. I'd always loved real estate and I figured, okay, this is something I can do uh, in the daytime. So nighttime wasn't going to be an issue anymore or being in dark studios and obviously showing properties in the daylight. And at that point um, I was driving and and everything went well and I was a top producing realtor, worked for Remax and it was great. Um, But then my vision took another jump. And so at this point, the lines on the road started to disappear. There was a day when I accidentally hit two people. Now, the good news is it wasn't my fault. Uh, I'll, I'll tell that story at another time. But it did always stay in the back of my mind. Was it really not my fault? Did I not see them? And so I decided that day at 24 to give up driving. And I had to decide 
okay, how am I going to stay in real estate? I'm in Los Angeles. I'm a top producing realtor, but how am I going to do this? So I would literally take anywhere from two to 12 buses in a day. I would show up to a property early. I would turn on all the lights, literally every light I could, memorize all the steps and really have down how I wanted to talk about the home. My clients would show up in their luxury automobile. We'd have a successful showing. They would take off. And then I would walk back to the bus stop and I would catch my next bus to my next showing. And even on days of open houses, I'm pretty sure the bus people thought it was kind of strange. There was this realtor with about six open house sandwich signs, flags, you name it. I would show up to my open house about two hours early, walk the neighborhood, put out all the signs, do the three hour open house, and then take another two hours to pick up all my signs, jump back on the bus and go home. And then over time, I hired assistants, and they became the ones that drove, and, and I found better methods. I, in fact, I became more efficient. But I remember one day uh, in 2007 where selling, ha- helping someone buy the biggest home of their life, you know, or, or an investment property, it was a great feeling, but I knew that I could do more. So I decided to create Living Full Out in 2008. And I really wanted that to be a company and a platform where I could do what I could to help people overcome obstacles, challenges they faced, and put together a game plan for how they could achieve their dreams. And sometimes achieving your dreams isn't hitting that brick wall over and over again, but reassessing and making changes. So I got really good over the years at making changes, so I'm an expert at that. And um, so over time with Living Full Out, it grew first of all with coaching, helping people one-on-one, just you know, getting over those hurdles. Then we incorporated public speaking, and I started speaking all over the country. Then um, KFWB came knocking on our door, and they wanted to do a life coaching show on the weekends. Actually, they had Les Brown do it during the week and me on the weekends, and that was successful. And then we evolved the radio show to KBC in Los Angeles. And then we just kept going and further syndicated it nationally from there. And the success of the radio show also earned us enough money that I was able to put together a TV show pilot. So remember that 10-year-old girl watching Oprah Winfrey still had that in the back of her mind. She didn't know how she was going to get there. She didn't know what it was going to look like. At this point, I was like 10 going on. I think I was 32 when we finally did the pilot and uh, it was, it was great. And we had a great crew and a team and we interviewed people. And I remember being on the set thinking, wow, this really came true. Like this is, this is awesome. Didn't know how long it would last or where it would go, but, um, but it was definitely a, a bucket list item achieved. And, um, and then we kept growing, living full out from there, writing books Uh, developing our blog, social media. And so that's kind of where we are today. Now, I'll share also on a personal note that although I had overcame all those different stresses, the divorce, domestic violence, eating disorders, breast cancer, my early years, uh, later on, I had to obviously give up driving, which was giving up my independence in some ways and having to figure out how to still be Nancy had to still be independent. Um, I had to experience dating when you can't see people. You know, those are literally blind dates. Yeah. Um, I had miscarriages. I had financial stresses. I had sexual harassment. So what I'm getting at there is that, 
you know, life is just going to keep giving you these lessons and you have to just kind of plow through them, learn what you can. And so that kind of leads us to today. And I just really wanted to just give you guys that quick map as to kind of what I've gone through and the story keeps being written. Wow, Nancy, thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and being so open and vulnerable. And I know that so often, like you said at the beginning, you can make a decision. And for you, it started really, really that that coming to that fork in the road when you got the diagnosis of retin. And I want to make sure I'm saying it right. Retin retinitis retinitis you are so close i know it's tricky it's Ret- a reti- retinitis pigmentosa retinitis RP. pigmentosa okay um yep. rp i'm just gonna call it rp <laughs> so that I'm is like, good i like it yep. i'm trying i'm trying uh so but yeah so when you got that diagnosis and you said that you can really hunger down and surrender to the diagnosis or you can rally and go after life um and that for me personally is something i resonate with so much because that has been my story as well, is when I have experienced difficult things in life, I have had to make the decision, do I let this tragedy, do I let this suffering own me, or do I learn from it? Do I move on? Do I try to make myself better in the process? And that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. And it's a really hard thing to do when you don't know what the next day is going to bring. And so I just want to say thank you for sharing that, because I think that is a lesson that can be applied in so many different scenarios. Um, Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. And I I just actually want to kind of piggyback on that, because there's two things that I've kind of learned in, in, in going through all this over the years. But I would say number one, and this is for the whole audience, whatever you're meant to be, you might be meant to be a mom or dad, you might be meant to be a talk show host, you might be meant to be a scientist, a teacher, whatever you're meant to be, it's kind of like having a magnet inside of you, right? Where it's pulling you along. Even if you get off course, it's going to bring you back. You just have to be patient and assertive and have tenacity in going after it. Uh, The other thing I would say too is not being afraid of making changes because what we think our life is going to look like, life has so much color to it. Mm -hmm. Granted, I can't see color. There (laughs) is color to life. So you may want to be a kindergarten teacher, but you know what? Maybe you're really good with special needs kids and that's where you should be. You know, maybe you, you know, want to be a police officer, but you know, maybe that's just not the right, you know, environment either. And maybe you're better off being a investigator. Mm. Who knows? You see what I'm saying? So I think it's, it's taking the qualities of what we want to do and being able to evolve and find that right match. Yeah, absolutely. Now there's Mm -hmm. a question I had just from the beginning of your story. You said that at the age of 16, you and uh, did you say all three of your sisters were diagnosed with RP? Yes, we are the three blind mice of the family. Yeah, we all have it. And uh, I'm the youngest. But you know, it's really been interesting because people have RP. Sometimes it's everybody, all the siblings or various people in the family. And sometimes it's just one person, and everybody else has normal vision. And I think that's actually given us a really special pact Mm. that we have. And our single mom, you know, she got divorced and she's always looked out for us and she's kind of been our eyes over the years. And so 
it's given her a lot of purpose too, because, you know, she wants to live every day to be our eyes as much as she can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, I just like, is that a, just a, uh, you know, is that common in cases of RP for to be, is it like a genetically based, uh, disease, you know, is it passed down? I mean, I just, that's just yeah, amazing. You know, great, great question. It is, it is genetic. It's a chromosomal mismatch that we just all three happen mm-hmm. to have. And it was just the, by our parents coming together and giving us that. But yeah. I don't know, you know, it's interesting. It's actually been a gift over the years. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times that I wish I could read something or just jump in a car and drive somewhere. But the experience of how I meet people is not based on what I see. Uh, Even if I go to a doctor's appointment, I will walk in, I will go to security. Well, actually, I should say my Lyft driver or my Uber driver will walk me in, pass me off to like security or a pharmacy or whoever is at that first level. And then somebody there will walk me to my suite number. But along the way, I'm holding their arms. I'm saying, how's your day? You know, other than if I was fully sighted, I would just march in that lobby, hit the elevator button and go to my appointment. So there's a lot of opportunities throughout the day where I get to have kind of moments with people uh, where I don't think I would if I saw perfectly. Okay, I'm taking a real quick break from my amazing conversation with Nancy, and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show, which is The Root Collective. Now, The Root Collective is no stranger to the show, as Bethany Tran, who is the founder and owner of TRC, is one of my nearest and dearest friends and was a guest early on. I have been a huge fan and supporter of The Root Collective for many, many years, and you can always catch me wearing their incredible shoes. In fact, I'm wearing my Molly sandals right now, and yes, they're named after me, and they are the perfect, perfect, perfect summer sandal. Now, why? Because they are not only comfortable and stylish and the most complimented shoes that I own, but they also lead to a conversation about how they're made, how they're ethically made, empowering communities, and investing in change through job creation. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash TRC and use the coupon code PURPOSE20 for 20% off your order. Now, back to my chat with Nancy. We do live in a kind of a day and age where we don't really connect with people when we're out and about anymore and I'm somebody my husband always laughs at me because I am totally the person when I am out and I will say I'm prefacing all of this with I'm introverted Um, but there's something that I really love about connecting with the people that I interact with when I'm out and about like the cashier at the store or a waitress in a restaurant or um, you know the the gas station employee whatever it is like Whoever I'm interacting with, I always make sure to either learn their name or address them by name if they have a name tag and I ask them about their family and I get to know them because I think so often, and maybe it's because I used to work in a lot of like retail and restaurant based businesses. And so I just remember what it felt like to be just treated like, you know, the the help. (laughs) And I was just, you know... ignored and not seen as a person or just somebody just was like, you know, waitress, go get me this or whatever it is. Or, you know, if I had to work on Black Friday in a retail setting and people were mad that I didn't have a door buster for them, you know, things like that. I love door busters, but I get you. I I get you. I know. And so, but you know, it's one of those things where I, 
have really become very sensitive to that where I want to see the people that I interact with as people and treat them as people and I address them by name and be like you have a name and you have a family and you have a story and I want to I want to hear about that Um, and even if I'm only going to be interacting with you for 30 to 45 seconds I want you to know that in that 30 or 45 seconds like I saw you as another fellow human being that I respect um, and that's a, that's just a, a quality I don't think a lot of people have these days. So that's just what a cool perspective you have about the way that you're able to connect with people on a different level. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, like I said, even dating's a bit of a hoot because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I literally don't know what they look like uh, until I, I meet them. And um, even at that, you know, it's about their voice, the touch of their hand, their mm-hmm. embrace. That kind of shapes for me who they are yeah. as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask a little bit about your experience in the music industry, which is really, <laughs> one, really cool because I also love music and I was a singer for years. And so I always had dreams of one day becoming a professional singer, which obviously I never pursued. <laughs> but um, I think anybody who like, loves to sing dreams of that at some point. Um, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your experience. And you you mentioned that um, – working in that industry was really challenging, especially, you know, kind of like you alluded to the sex, drugs and rock and roll sort of situation. Um, What were some of the things that you really took away from that experience, both positive and negative? Mm, It's really a good question. I mean, on one hand, you have the dreamers, kind of like what you were saying, right? You put together a demo tape, you go to all the right venues to hope to meet that producer, that that somebody that will open that door for you. And then you try to get out there and you try to gig and you try to just make your way. The thing is, is in life, you can look at your, you can look at life like you're a small fish in a big pond or that you're already a big fish in a small pond. And you kind of have to have that balance. You don't want to have too big an ego that you don't you know, realize that there's other people there. But you also have to be careful not to get gobbled up by the competition. Because again, no one will talk or sing or act exactly like you do. They may be similar, but they're not going to be exact. And so for me, I kind of had to find that balance. And kind of the, I guess, the unfortunate sides of the music industry, you know, are the fact that it's a very abundant industry. So, you know, one of the things that I was told uh, early on, and really kind of one of my reasons to get out of it, was uh, one of my producers was trying to, uh, actually, it's the manager, I'm sorry, at the time, he was trying to convince me that if I broke my two front ribs, that I would look thinner. <gasps> what? That is right, people. That's what I'm talking about. There are insane things that people will do to get ahead. Now I didn't do that. I'm very proud of my front ribs. We're still together oh, to yeah, this day. Yeah. But but you know, things like that or you know, watching people snort Bentleys up their nose, literally mm. so much that it's it's over the top. And I just remember being at a a a get together of very successful artists and I just remember going into the bathroom, looking into the mirror, And I was like, these are not your people. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not the people who are going to catch me when I fall. And again, remember, during that time, my vision was still taking jumps. And it just didn't feel like it was my long-term home. Um, But I took from the experience being able to, again, put together that album and perform on stage. And 
you know, just do those sort of things. I've tried out for X Factor, you know, a, a singing show. I've done a lot of great things over the years, singing the national anthem. So I really feel like that dream has been checked. Yeah. And then it was going on to find the next adventure. That What a cool perspective to have. And I love that you said, I feel like that dream has been checked. Because I think sometimes we get into a mentality that if we don't, that if we pursue something that we want and we do it and then we change courses that we've given up on that thing when that's not, you know, that's not necessarily how it works. And sometimes it's just recalibrating. And like you said, just uh, you become an expert at having to change directions. And that is so so important when life happens because the, you can only plan for so much. Um, and I, I always like love that, you know, you want to know how to make God laugh is tell him your plans. And he's like, <laughs> okay. oh, I love that quote. I know. Exactly. I know. Yep. And that has been so much my story as well. And so many, this, that's the story of so many people I know is you do everything you can to make your own plans and then God laughs at you and is like, okay, well, I have something better for you or I have something different in mind. And, you know, my, for me, like my dream, my life dream for as long as I could remember was to be on Saturday Night Live. It was to be on Saturday Night Live. I took all the comedy classes. I did all the improv. I did all of the sketch comedy. I traveled. I went to New York. I went to Chicago. I, you know, performed on these big stages. And I realized at the age of 25, I was like, you know what? I don't think this is actually what I'm supposed to do anymore. And I think I'm supposed to take these skills and apply them into something else. And I didn't know what that looked like. But for a while, it was really discouraging because I kind of felt like other people felt like I was giving up. And, you know, because it was all I ever talked about. It was all I dreamed about was being on Saturday Night Live and moving to New York. And I just realized I went on a trip to New York in um, the spring of 2010. And I was like looking at apartments. I was looking for jobs. And I went up there. And by the time I came home, I said, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't think I'm meant for that. And that was a really, that's a really hard thing. And so then I, but then I kind of felt like I was like lost in the wilderness. Like I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? You know? I, I get that completely. And, you know, it's kind of funny because sometimes we take life too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to take it seriously, right? We need to make money and have a full life and all that. But, but I mean, the thing is, is kind of if we look at our life like a book, right? We have different chapters to our life. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a really kind of cheesy example. But, you know, as a child, we lived in Oregon and we had great fir trees. And my sisters and I, we used to climb the trees. We used to do all sorts of silly thing, things and make tree houses, right? In my 40s, I'm not climbing trees anymore, yeah. right? That was a chapter. I had a tree climbing chapter. Yeah. So I think sometimes we have to look at our career the same way, right? Yeah. Your New York experience, my music experience, it was a chapter. But it doesn't mean it's throughout our whole book. Yep. If that makes sense. Oh, yes. Preach, girl. Yes, Nancy. Amen. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yes. Um, so you made the shift, obviously, from music, and then you really began to get all these opportunities, you know, with uh, public speaking and doing life coaching and having your your radio show and the TV pilot and all of that. And then that really led you to um, just continuing to pursue living full out. And so since 2008, so 
gosh, that's 11 years ago, which is Mm -hmm. crazy. What is, you know, that's like the most cliche thing ever. But like, seriously, like, where has the time gone? It's just. Seriously. I'm going to be like 100 next month. I know. I know. Basically, I'm already planning for retirement in the next three weeks. Right. So, um, yeah. But in that, in those 11 years, and as you have really, you've worked with lots of people and you've made change, continued to make make changes in your own life and you know there has been other instances of suffering that you have experienced from uh, miscarriages and uh, infidelity and and things like that that things that you have struggled with and and shared in your story um, what has really begun to I guess where has your vision changed in that time and um, and I don't mean your literal vision, although you have shared some of that, but you, you know, you're both, I guess both your literal and your figurative vision is what has changed about that during that time since you've really been pursuing um, what you feel, what, what you're called to do in this chapter. That is such a great question. Um, so early on, I decided to go the career route. Now I always dated always. And and I dated like significantly like three, four year relationships. Um, but I decided to go career first more than the family route. Um, because I knew that it was going to have to take all of my focus, all of my time. And it really has to get to where I, I am today. Um, but at the same time, what I would say about kind of what I've learned is again, it's just, kind of being able to, it's not about letting go of, of fantasies or dreams that one would have, but I think it's really about modifying that. So, you know, modifying the type of relationships you, that like what would have been a great relationship back then, you know, the guys that were like, you know, going to clubs or, you know, traveling the world. I've definitely had those guys. I don't know if that's my guy today. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, and I, And so I think it's just kind of figuring out over time, like, what is it that you really want? And I grew up in the sex in the city generation, right? (laughs) And so uh, I I, I identified with those characters. And and the thing that I want to say about that is, I think so oftentimes we look back and like, I don't know, I'm, I'm 42, but I feel 32, right? And that's a beautiful way to be because we're it's like that song forever young, but at the same time, sometimes we have to realistically go, okay, you know, if I live to be such and such, (laughs) what do I really want to do with the rest of my time? So in some ways it's that fine line between, you know, I don't feel my age, but at the same time, just being realistic with, okay, game on. It's kind of like when I was losing my vision or when I got that diagnosis, it was like, okay, I have RP, I'm 16, game on. What do I want to do now for my current life, I would say, okay, I'm 42, game on again. What do I want to do? Yeah. That's how I'd answer that. Absolutely. And so who are you working with now? Like, what are you, what are your primary, what's your primary career focus at this current moment? Well, the radio show is a big one for us because it has been so effective in helping people, uh, really just not even selling like you, not even like we're like it's a business thing. It's just, it's just kind of taken on a life of its own that people do depend on the ability to call in because I give them life coaching. So it's not to say that everybody can afford therapy or can afford a life coach. So we dedicated time within the show for people to call in with a burning question they have so that we can help them. 
try to bring inspirational guests who have overcome things that are relatable and some are extreme. You know, we've had people who have overcome plane crashes or we've had people that have been injured and now they're quadriplegic, you know, and how do they live full out in life? How do they, you know, get through those really hard days? And so we're proud of that show. Uh, we're, um, we're working on a book right now and then hopefully that will come out soon for everyone to enjoy. Um, and just keeping everything going. And then I do have my Nancy bucket list items. Those go on. Australia will be seeing me at some point. That's on my list, right? Um, you know, there's just certain things that I still want to do with my time. Um, trying to learn guitar right now. And as a visually impaired person, that's a little bit tricky, but I'm learning that. And it's just kind of keeping life fun, keeping it festive. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a good perspective to have. Yeah. And I think you really need to consider that with both life and career. Because I mean, I am all about people starting their businesses. I'm all about people supporting other people. Um, So it's it's really interesting because a career doesn't have to be being a part of a corporation and being part of a team. It can be being an assistant and being support to Mm -hmm. a a team or a person. But really when it comes down to it, whether it's career or whether it's your personal life, it's really waking up every day with tenacity, vigor, excitement, knowing that the unexpecteds are going to come. There are going to be those bad days or the to-do list that never ends, right? But I think you just wake up with an appetite to live full out. And then at the end of the night, you just say, you know what? I did my best. And you go to sleep. You try to turn it off. And then you wake up the next day and do it over. But if you let it become any more than that, then you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the life moments. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amen, Nancy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nancy, this has been so much fun. Um, But before we go, we are going to transition just a little bit because this is one of my favorite parts of the show. And it's where we get to just ask some fun get to know you questions. And as my listeners know, this is also the portion of the show where my husband, who is my executive producer, he's a very handsome executive producer, um, where he, he actually inserts a sound effect, a movie clip, TV show clip of some sort to transition us to the get to know you round. So Nancy, are you up for some get to know you questions? I love it. Let's do it. To what's that name? The rules are simple. We show you a person, you tell us their name. This next question is for $250,000. And we've got a walk on clue. Hey, Doug, it's me. I'm one of your closest friends. Hey, Todd. And I've been his girlfriend for four years. <laughs> what's my name? Hey, great to see you. It's great to see you. We've gone out to dinner 20 times and sat next to each other at multiple weddings. What's my name? Uh, doesn't seem like you know her name. Of course I do, of course I do. It's uh, Missy. Audience. Todd, Todd, I'm so sorry. Interesting choice to apologize to him. So my first question is, what is your spirit animal and why? Oh, that's a great question. I would say it is a dolphin. Ooh, I like Um, it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think to be a dolphin, you jump out of the water, you you move fast, but at the same time, you're a partner to others. You know, the dolphins are not mean people, but they're fun. They're playful. And I think that that represents a lot of who I am. 
I love it. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, what is your most unusual? That's right. <laughs> what is your most unusual talent? Hmm. Well, I am actually double jointed in my toes. Ooh, that and is I interesting. Back when in my early twenties, I was trying out for one of those some horror movie, and uh, <laughs> they auditioned me because they 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 were gonna were uh, they're actually auditioning my feet because they wanted to be able to have somebody dial pick up the phone that had a cord to a an actual dial a keypad, <laughs> and they wanted the person to be able to dial nine one one with their toes but also be able to move the phone so that the person could scream into it. <laughs> Somebody clearly had a slightly better feet than me. I had a hard time with the last one, but I, I did pretty good. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Would you rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos for life? Oh, for sure, tacos. Yes, I, I get it. I get it. I know. I know sushi is more healthy, but I, I don't know. It's just it's unfortunate. But I, I'm a fettuccine alfredo cheeseburger quesadilla girl. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm yeah. I every day, I, but I mac and cheese, all naughty stuff. I'm all in. <laughs> love. I love it. Okay, so since you are a singer or former singer, uh, I thought this would be a good question for you. What cheesy song do you have totally memorized? Well, I would say one of the songs is Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. I love that song. Um, and also, my sister and I, we will sing uh, The Weather Girls, It's Raining Men, and that is the Ultra Cheese song. Oh, yes. Yeah. Karaoke night, you got to sing some It's Raining Men. I love it. Of <laughs> um, of course. Of course. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. And then my last question, which is my favorite question to ask all of my guests, and that is, what are you most grateful for today? Mm, that is a great question. I am grateful for the friends and family in my life. And actually, I do extend that even to you, Molly, because one of the things that I've learned is that, you know, the, my, my support team, they are my eyes. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they are my heart and you need those people in your life to hold you up so you can have the greatest vision in the world. You can have all the ambition to boot. But if you don't have that support team along the way, it's really hard to get up on those hard days. Mm -mm. Mm. Yes, that is such a great perspective. Nancy, this has been such a encouraging and just uplifting conversation. I just appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I just wish everybody all the best. And here's to you living full out. Did I not tell you that Nancy is an incredibly inspiring person? Gosh, I just loved our conversation. And I would love to know what you loved about this episode. So find me on social media at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another huge thank you to this week's sponsor, The Root Collective. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash TRC and use the coupon code PURPOSE20 for 20% off your order. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. 
Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode of the podcast. As always, this show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. 